Tonight's episode of Legacy Battle is brought to you by Atlas Benefits. Atlas Benefits has solutions for your insurance needs. Atlas Benefits can help you obtain Medicare, health, or life insurance, and employee benefits. You can find them on the web at www.atlasbenefits.com. Or you can contact Rob Ducey or Roy Smith at 727-600-2892 and mention Legacy Battle Podcast. Atlas Benefits has all the solutions for your insurance needs. Enjoy the show. This is Legacy Battle. Make sure you hit subscribe on YouTube, iHeart, Apple, Spotify, whatever platform you're listening on. I'm Michael Adams, creator of Legacy Battle. My panelists tonight from the Gridiron Battle Zone, Brian King from Steelers Nation South, Rollo Cawthon, Penn State Athletics, Kevin Adams. And we're joined tonight by a special guest. He's a first-round pick in the 91 NFL Draft out of Michigan. He spent time with the New York Giants and the Los Angeles Raiders. He spent four years at Michigan and was the team's captain during their very successful 1990 season. He has also been involved in TV, movies, starring shows like ER, Django Unchained, Entourage, Jag, and more. So we got Wolverines fullback, Jared Bunch. Jared, thank you for joining us. All right. It's glad to be here. But I was there for five years. Five years? Oh, wow. Five years. Redshirted my freshman year. Okay. There we go. Yes. Red shirt. Uh, those things they don't mention on websites. <laughs> <laughs> and so, was that, did Kevin purposely put 32 back there? That's not me. That's Anthony. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's who he's going to talk about tonight. That's who I'm representing. <laughs> yeah, that's who he's repping tonight. So, yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so, in case you couldn't tell everybody, tonight's show is going to be the greatest Michigan running back. We'll be uh, discussing four after, as always, we'll have our Q&A with our special guest, Jared, tonight. And uh, we're going to start tonight out with Tyrone Wheatley. <clears throat> Tyrone Wheatley, 1992 Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year. But it came in as a freshman, 10 rushing touchdowns, but it was that 92 season that he really took off uh, as a Wolverine. He was... Uh, he um, was the big uh, the uh, Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year. He he uh, he scored rushing, receiving, and on a kick return. Um, dominated the season uh, at seven point one yards per carry. Um, the next year, five point five yards per carry, and then five point four yards carries as a senior. But he averaged six point one yards per carry over his time as a Wolverine, which is ridiculous. He ended his career with 47 rushing touchdowns, uh, 51 total touchdowns. Um, he also added 10 yards per catch as a receiver out of the backfield. So he could do it all, and he did it all for the Wolverines. Uh, he's still eighth all-time in Big Ten rushing touchdowns, uh, and he's still first in Wolverines history in total touchdowns. So, um, and still in the, to this day, 
since he's left uh, school, he's still second all time in players with 300 rushing attempts in yards per carry. So that shows how how, how well rounded he was as a rusher. Um, so put that man on the the Wolverines uh, Mount Rushmore of running backs because he's probably going to be the best, the top one of all the panelists tonight. Well, he may have had the most successful NFL career tonight out of the guys we're talking about, but that could be probably debated to a little bit with another guy later on. But, uh, Jared, let me ask you, 6.1 yards per carry. I mean, why don't you just turn around and give the guy the ball every time with that yardage? I mean, just an amazing player. What are your thoughts on Tyrone Wheatley? Uh, Tyrone, for me and majority of my the guys who I've talked to, he's on the top of the list. He has come down as the top running back with most people giving him the top top hit. And I think when the question came to me from the very beginning, he, he was the person that came to my mind first. But after following through, looking through, trying to go over, looking at um, there's a lot of different backs, even though he's not the leading rusher, I still think that he's the best to ever come through Michigan. Well, that means everyone else is going to have to prove that theory wrong with their arguments. <laughs> yes, yeah, and I, it's going to be very hard to do. Brian, what, what were your thoughts about Wheatley when he got to the NFL? I mean, he didn't live up to the expectations of what everyone was thinking in the NFL, but what were your thoughts on him when he got there? Well, I mean, yeah, you just never know if you're going to get in the right system. You never know if you're going to get the dedication from the coaching staff. I think there was a lot of variables there. And then there was some injuries there at the end, too. So it was kind of a mixed bag for him. You know, things didn't quite line up the way that they could have. Well, let's have you go next with uh, Mike Hart. All right. Mike Hart, five foot nine, 195 pounds, kind of a small back. Um, he was there at Michigan from 2004 to 2007. Uh, but let's back up to 2003 at on on a, Onondaga Central High School. Hart set the national career record for rushing touchdowns with 204. So that's like national any high school ever player, which is pretty pretty incredible. Uh, it helped his team to win three straight uh, New York State championships. So the expe- expectations were really really high for Hart uh, when he got to Ann Arbor. Um, and he, he was really able to, to lo- deliver immediately. He rolled up 1,455 yards uh, plus 237 receiving and scored a total of 10 touchdowns in his freshman season. Um, his yardage total was a school freshman record, and he was named a Big Ten Freshman of the Year as well as to the uh, All-Big Ten First Team. So probably the best freshman season, arguably maybe in Michigan history. Uh, right there for Mike Hart. Then his sophomore season, um, you know, he had a little bit of adversity. He dealt with a hamstring injury. Uh, he was only able to gain about 800 yards from scrimmage in eight games. It's still still respectable. Uh, but, yeah, he missed some time there. Then, then his junior year, he battled back, though. He gained 1,562 yards on the ground, scored 14 touchdowns. Uh, not only was he again named to the All-Big Ten team, but he was fifth uh, in the Heisman Trophy voting. So very strong season there. And then uh, Hart, in, in his senior season, he was leading the nation in rushing whenever, unfortunately, he suffered an ankle injury. Uh, he still ended up running for 1,361 yards and, again, scored 14 touchdowns. And that was in just 10 games. 
Uh, very, very impressive. So, and then one of the most important things to remember about Mike Hart was that he only had three fumbles in his Michigan career, and that was out of 1,015 rushing attempts. So very, very uh, conscious with the ball, uh, despite the small stature, as I mentioned. Uh, no one in Michigan uh, history has more career rushing yards than Mike Hart with 5,040. And that is the 23rd highest career total in the history, the 150-plus year history of the NCAA. Um, and then things have come full circle for Mike Hart. Uh, in 2021, he joined the Michigan Wolverines coaching staff as the running backs coach. And then he had to be proud when his boys rolled up 289 yards against the Buckeyes in their 42-27 to uh, victory this past season. So that's Mike Hart. Brian, I'm going to disagree with you when I have my guy on one of your stats, but I'm sure one of us is right. <laughs> so, Jared, let me ask you. So, 5'9", he's a smaller back. I mean, I want your, your thoughts, of course, on Mike Hart, but how does an offensive line differ in their style when it comes to a back that's 5'9", as opposed to somebody like we're going to talk about here in a little bit, like the A-train, Anthony Thomas? Like, how are they playing differently? They're not playing differently. They're, you know, the, the bottom line is make space, make room. Give me 12 inches. Give me, you know, 10 inches. And I'm saying 10 inches. You know, give me a little bit of space. Um, he may be – I wouldn't even give him, say, it's an advantage because of his height. It's not an advantage. It just gives the defense, uh, you know, they can't see him all the time behind the big line. But he's a good back. He, I remember him seeing him freshman year. And I think that, uh, you know, I was looking, we were always looking for mission to get back to that running, running, running. And when he came, it was the first time that we saw somebody that they were really were going to use the running again after a train or whatever. Um, I think he's good. I didn't, you know, I, I don't think that he's the top, but I do think that he is good um, as evident in him being the leading rusher, I mean, career leading rusher and missing all those games with injuries. So there's no telling what could have happened had he been healthy the entire career. Kevin, you were a smaller running back. You, I'm sure you have respect for the the shorter guys being at your height. I mean, they, they just seem like they can, uh, you know, cut a little better, a little faster. You know, what are your thoughts on those smaller running backs? But yeah, the low center of gravity makes it a little bit easier for us and uh, to be able to cut quicker and sharper. And uh, it's harder to see, you know, a short guy behind a tall line. Um, so definitely, you know, can play to their advantage. Um, and, you know, we're usually quicker. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you can use that small size stature to your advantage. And uh, having that center of gravity, you can plow through guys a little bit easier, too. You hit them straight on. Well, let's, uh, let, let's let you tell us about the A-train. Yeah, A train Anthony Thomas played for Michigan from 97 to 2000. I'm going to throw some high school stats out like Brian did. He totaled for 7,594 rushing yards in high school and set a Louisiana state record with 106 touchdowns. He was named first team All American and rated as the second best running back in the country uh, going into Michigan. So his uh, standards were, were up there too, Brian. Uh, he broke Michigan's career rushing record held by Jamie Morris. He got a four-year total of 4,472 yards. He also broke Wheatley's modern Michigan career record with uh, 56 touchdowns. He also set and continues to hold 
Michigan's records with an average of 144.4 rushing yards per game in 2000. And in six games in that season, he had at least 150 yards. As a senior, he rushed for 1,733 yards and was selected to the first team running back 2000 All-Big Ten Conference football team. That 17,000 or 1,733 yards in 2000 remains the second highest single season total uh, in Michigan history. During that 2000 season, he had nine games in which he rushed for over 100 yards, including 228 yards against Illinois, 199 against Northwestern, and 182 against Auburn and UCLA. And those aren't some scrub teams. <laughs> he also earned a uh, second team, all Big Ten team in 99. He was a Big Ten freshman of the year in 97. Uh, he was also part of the undefeated national champion uh, 97 Wolverine team that split with Nebraska that year. Uh, after his freshman year, he led the Wolverines in three consecutive years uh, with rushing yards. Um, he was also a two-time Citrus Bowl MVP. Uh, Ranker.com put him as number three running back of all time above any running back we're talking about tonight. Uh, FanDuel put him at number two, and Wolverine Wire put him at number one. He definitely has a strong argument to be our top choice. It's a good argument there, Kevin. Jared, I mean, the, the nickname says it all, A-Train. This guy would just plow through the lines. He'd make his own holes if he needed to. Um, I, those type of running backs don't last a long time because of the way they play, of course. But uh, what are your thoughts on the A-Train? A-Train is uh, one of those uh, hidden gems. You know, he was a workman. In, he, he was a, a really good back because he worked at it. And when he ran the ball, it wasn't pretty. But he made big plays, a lot of big plays. And it just looked like, um, why aren't they tackling him? <laughs> you know, but he made it look like that. That, you know, and, and I think that's why he probably won't be ranked higher than what he could be. Um, when you think of the numbers that he put up, it seems like he would be a shoo-in to be on everybody's mind for one of the top running backs. But um, I think it's because of his workman style. Uh, his style wasn't pretty, but he was he's, he's very good. And he, wear, he wore a good number, too. <laughs> <laughs> that gives him more points than I, in my book right there. So. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Rollo, let me ask you, um, you being from Steelers Nation South, of course, when the A-Train came in the league up there, especially with Chicago, you know, a lot of people were calling him the next Jerome Bettis. It didn't work out that way. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean, look, just looking at the way he ran, it's just like his uniform and the way he looked. He had those big, broad shoulder pads. He wore the neoprene sleeves. And just the way he ran, he was just, you know, he had the low center of gravity, he had the big thighs. He just looked like Jerome Bettis when Jerome Bettis was in his prime. That's what he looked like. And that's why the comparisons were valid. Absolutely. Well, let's move on to our final player tonight. That's going to be Jamie Morris. So Morris started 38 games for Michigan. He is also small in stature. He was only 5'7", um, but he had speed, quick feet, could change direction uh, with the best of them. And he was a lot like Barry Sanders because of his explosiveness. I like to throw a name out like that, Barry Sanders. Um, and like I said, he could get through, find those holes, and he could change like what looks like he's going to be a short carry into a very long run. So that, that was one of his specialties. Now, while at Michigan, he set career records in rushing yards, yards from scrimmage, all-purpose yards, 100-yard games, season rushing yards, 
season yards from scrimmage, all-purpose yards, uh, season 100-yard games, career receptions for a running back, career receiving yards for a running back. So this guy kind of just put up every record that was possible for a running back in Michigan. He went for over 200 yards twice. Um, he has the longest run in the Outback Bowl history uh, at 77 yards. And, of course, he was the MVP of that game. Um, and, you know, he ended up working for Michigan afterwards in the athletic department for, for 12 years. And um, so I got a nice little quote here, too, about him. So former Michigan legend Bo Schembechler said this about Jamie Morris. Here's a kid who I thought would be a very fine kick return specialist. And he ended up becoming the all-time leading ground gainer in Michigan history. So you get words like that from a legendary coach like Bo. That's, uh, that says a lot in my book. So, Jared, I know you were you were there with uh, Morris there for a while. I'm yep. sure you, you did some uh, full back and forth at some point. So what, what were your thoughts on him? Like what kind of player was he and, and what kind of teammate? Oh, oh you know, not that I just do some. We were the starting backfield my sophomore year. And, um, you know, he his stature, because he's a small, short, you, you, you would overlook some of the things that he, he did. I would probably, I would venture to say he's probably the best blocker of all, all the running backs that we mentioned already. He's probably the best blocker. Um, he is, he was a powerful running back, but he, he ran with power, uh, speed, quickness. He made people miss. He also made, he ran over people, but that was his game. He could do it all. He was a complete running back. If he was six foot two, Wow. I mean, um, he, he would be the total package because he was smart and he, he did it. He did it all. He, he could do it all. That's why he was a captain of the team. He was a leader. Um, and he taught a lot of players how to play, how to, how, you know, even at five foot seven. So uh, we were we were together for um, my first year, my, my uh, redshirt year, sophomore year. We did, we did a lot. So of the running backs that we're talking about tonight, Jared, if we're on the goal line, third down and one on the goal line, what running back are you putting in there? Tyrone Wheatley. Tyrone Wheatley, okay. <laughs> and then let me, let me throw this one out at you. Third and seven, midfield. Who are you putting out there? Tyrone Wheatley. And run a draw. <laughs> well, I was hoping you were going to say Morris because he was so good in the passing game. But our... no, I, you know, no, I had to think about that. I mean, I had to think about that, and, and uh, that's a hard one, man. I mean, that that's that's a hard one. Uh, that's a hard one. Mike Hart. Um, you know, maybe maybe Mike Hart, uh, but. I forgot about it. I mean, uh, when I was preparing for this and talking to other guys, Mike Hart was name was not mentioned for top three or top five. Hmm. So, um, and the guys that were mentioned that you guys haven't talked about, Tim Bianca Patuka. Yeah, Bianca Patuka. Yeah, I remember yeah, him. and 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 Tony Bowles. I think had Tony Bowles not been injured, he could have been really looking at maybe the top 
um, talking about on field uh, right. because this guy he was he was something special, man. He was I mean he ran a he ran a, a four four three electronic four three two electronic, and when he runs, he didn't look like he was running fast, you know, but he was fast and he can make me miss. Um, but I, I don't know. Well, there's your shout outs for the night. He just gave them to everybody, <laughs> Tim Biakabatuka and Tony Bolts. So we're going to move into our vote here. Remember, you cannot vote for your own guys. Kevin, who are you taking? This is, uh, this is tougher than I thought it was going to be. Um, um I'm going to go with the heart. Uh, when I look at the rankings on a bunch of different websites, they have him higher than Wheatley um, and actually higher than my guy Thomas on one of them. So I'm going to go with Hart. Okay. Brian? Uh, yeah, I'll tell you, okay, going into this, I really had no idea, no idea who I was going to take, and, and now I think I'm a little bit more confused. Uh, <laughs> I, I I really like – I mean, there's there's things to like about all of these backs. There really is. It's kind of like what you sort of value, you know, but – for for me, I really like the I like the big guy who can who can pound away, who can you know thirty carries later he's got a hundred sixty yards and and he got you a whole bunch of time of possession and everything and, and that that guy's the A train for me so I'm I'm gonna go A train. Okay, Rollo, uh, I got to go with uh, Bettis, the Bettis lookalike. Uh, A train. Just the just the way he ran, his style. You know, he at the end of the day he was just. He looked dirty. His clothes was hanging off him. I got to go injury. I was also like Brian. I I had no clue who I was going to vote for tonight. I wanted to listen to everybody's stats and, and things like that. And uh, honestly, I think uh, Rollo kind of won me over with his argument. So I was going to go Tyrone Wheatley. So we, we come to you, Jared. You can vote for anyone you want. Who is your, your greatest Michigan running back? You guys have, have come up with some some really uh, strong points. Some pointed out some things that you know I saw but didn't really think about. Um, with when you talk about A Train and, and what he's done, and my card of what he's done, knowing that he's the career leader. But if I was asked who I'm going to put in the game at their peak, it's Tyrone Wheatley. Okay, so that's two for Tyrone Wheatley, two for the A-Train, one for Hart. When we have a tie, the vote goes to the special guest. So we got a winner for Tyrone Wheatley tonight. I, I just want to throw out something here. Oh, here if we go. Look, if, you look at, if you look at the average points per season, when A-Train was on the team, they averaged the most points out of any of the players that we're talking about. Coincidence? I think not. Okay, so it didn't have anything to do with the, the quarterback, the wide receivers, the offensive no. line, the coaching staff. Okay, all right. Call running back. When okay. you put A-Train uh, rushing over almost 1,800 yards, come on. <laughs> all right, let's move into our Q&A. Rollo, you got the win tonight, so you got first question. Go ahead and start us off. So you were the number one pick in your draft. Tell me what that draft process was like, you know, where did you know that, that you were going to be drafted by the team, like the Giants? Did you know that they, did they call you? Did they tell you ahead of time? Did you meet with them multiple times? Tell me a little bit about the process and, you know, you know what you went through. 
Well, I did not know that that I was going to be drafted by the Giants. I knew they were a possibility. We did; they did come out to Michigan early on in the process, right after the uh, combine. I had individual workouts with uh, like three or four um, different teams, but uh, the New York Giants talked to me early, and that was it. Um, I come draft day, I knew that I, well, I didn't know there was a good feeling that I would go in the first round. I knew that I would be the, I was the top ranked fullback and the number three rated running back period. So I knew I would go, or, you know, when somebody needed a fullback, what team that was, I didn't know. Some teams had me on the board as a running back, which I was happy about because I never played a down a running back at Michigan. I was always lined up at fullback, but um, averaging five yards a carry, they they saw something different. And we had a lot of running backs, you know, so we had to share the ball a lot. So um, the process of, of, of training, getting ready for it, that period between January, February, March, leading up to April 15th at that time, April April 20th, um, it was, it was so overwhelming, you know, uh, you don't know what's going to happen. One day we talked about this, you know, one day you're, you're trying to scramble and figure out how you're going to get money to buy a piece of pizza. And the next day you'll be able to buy the whole pizza shop. So it was <laughs> like, you know, you just, you, you had to, you had to contain yourself and just hope that you didn't mess up, you know, hope that you just stayed out of trouble, you did the things that are right, and you went to the right team. And uh, I think that's been a problem for a lot of people is that, you know, when you're young and you're going to the, you get drafted, that's it. You're drafted, you, you got to work with that. But when you get drafted and you think, you think, oh man, I wish I would have went to somewhere else. And you take all that and mess up with where you are it creates a problem for your, your career. And uh, had I been drafted by San Francisco, I would have been playing a different position. Uh, or even at fullback, I would get a lot of passes running. The, if I'd have been drafted by the Redskins, I would have been a running back. If I was drafted by Miami Dolphins, they would have been, you know, they switched me back and forth. I was drafted by the Giants, which they run a two-back system, fullback and tailback. And as my young at my young age, you know, I, I was not happy. <laughs> I was happy. I was happy that I was drafted, but it, it showed that you know I wish I oh I wish I would have went someplace else. Even though I loved the I love the Giants, I love being with them, but um, as with a young mind, I didn't embrace it like a lot of other people uh, backs do. Kevin, then Brian. So you grew up in Ohio. You're kind of in, in the heart of Big Ten. Mm -hmm. And I was just wondering, I mean, I got to represent my Penn State. <laughs> how'd, you, uh, how'd you end up going to, to Michigan? And, man, Michigan's one of the biggest rival for Ohio State. So how'd you end up in Michigan? Were there other Big Ten schools that were looking at you? All right. So, well, um, I, in the town I'm from, is called Ashtabula. And... We haven't had anyone come out 
are, uh, of there are drafted that, that played in it. We had one other guy that was uh, uh, back in the 60s that he wasn't, he was drafted maybe in the sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth round or something like that. But we had no other guys from the school that went to a D1 school on a full scholarship to play football. So I was the first one to go to a D1 school to play football. And um, I just wanted to be on a team that wanted me. And I'm in Ohio. My Asheville High School that I went to, we were a terrible football program. I wouldn't even call it a program. Um, when I was in the eighth grade, my brother was in the 10th grade. The school won the first game in five years. They won wow. the first game in five years. So every year was 0-10, 0-10, 0-10. Um, so when I, I got there, I I, uh, I started working out. Because I was the youngest on my street, I was always trying to hang out with the older guys, and that got me tough. So when I got to high school, I'd already been starting lifting weights and doing everything and preparing to play. So when I started playing against kids my age, I was so much. I was so much better. I started as a sophomore, both ways. I was all all league on defense as a sophomore, then all league junior and senior, and I started getting um, competed competing in weightlifting. And when I was going to these different weightlifting competitions, I was going by myself, but I would go there, and other schools would have their whole football team there. We didn't have a football program that did that. So I was the only one that lifted weight. So when I went, it was like me against all these other guys. And I was winning. And so the schools that were going to the other school, the colleges that were going to other schools would say, is there anybody you think we should take a look at in this area, you know? And those guys, those coaches, when I said, there's this kid in Ashtabula that's been, you know, weightlifting, he's winning these competitions, and I was running, I would win the 100 meters dash, I would win the pole vault, I would win the shot put. So that that's what they started coming to see. And I, I was a good student, I was a 3.0 student, and I started, they started looking, and I was like, man, this guy can run, he's smart, he does, he stays out of trouble, and he's, he's self-motivated. I tell when I'm coaching my kids, Look, it doesn't matter what, how well the team is doing or how bad the team is doing. They're coming to look at you, and they want to know if they got somebody who they don't have to take care of. They can take care of themselves. That's what they want. So that's how I got, that's how I got my name out there. Nice, nice. Well, uh, during your first three seasons at Michigan, um, you played under uh, Bo Schemblacher, um, and then in your senior Four. season, it was – or four seasons, I'm sorry, four seasons, yeah. And then uh, and then finally in the senior season, it went to Coach Moeller. Um, so what was it like for you when you learned of, that there was going to be the coaching change? And um, what was it like playing under both of those men? Well, the, the, uh, it, was, it was good because Moeller, when I first got there, was the defensive coordinator. And in my second or third year, third year I think it was, Moeller switched from defensive coordinator to offensive coordinator. And then so third year, he's running the offense. Fourth year, he's running the offense and basically calling, making all the calls, calling the plays, everything. And Bo is just, you know, Bo's Bo. He's the head man, and he's listening to whatever Moeller calls or whatever, unless he wants something particular. So we were all cool with how was everything was going. 
And um, it was clear that when Bo left, Moeller was going to be in charge anyway. And it, it was just a smooth transition um, when, when the decision was made that he was going to retire or go to the, you know, be working with the Detroit uh, Tigers. It was, you know, we lost that last game, Rose Bowl, but uh, it was it was it was it was clear and clean that before Bo left, Moeller was running the same program and same everything was the same uh, with system. He started changing it. We started doing a little bit more passing, and it was it was clear that it was a simple move. Everyone was happy about it. So you were part of the, the Bill Walsh uh, Diversity Coaching Fellowship. Uh, today's NFL is completely lacking in diversity, especially in the head coach position, even with the Rooney role. We've seen teams taking advantage of the Rooney role just to claim that they did it. Um, do you see in the future that it, it, it will change? I mean, there's talk now, but there's always talk, no change. Do you, do you think at some point we're going to see – a more even playing field? It's going to be very difficult uh, to see that because you, they can do all the rules that they want, but the bottom line is owners own teams, and owners are the ones that want to say, it's my decision, Where and you're not going to make me, you know, pick anyone that you want me to pick who I want. Now, when that becomes um, more evident that everyone is inclusive and everyone feels comfortable around who they're around, you know, that's when, it, that's when the change will come. But the bottom line is owners, uh, they like who they like. They want to deal with who they want to deal with. And, you know, these are it's a group of, of billionaires. You're not going to tell them what to do. Right, right. That's it. Well, well I, I, I know my my participation in, in the diversity program, I love it. I mean, it's helpful. It is helpful. It gives a lot of opportunities for, for us to, you know, just get involved. And bottom line is it's a lot of relationships because you see, even though a lot of head coaches have not been of color, but the staff is full. Now, the, the, the next step is, you know, making the relationships closer to the owner. So if the owner feels comfortable, right? I know you. I've spent time with you, right? Yeah, I trust that you, you know, that you would be the person that I want you to be and, and be my head coach. That's it. It's just about relationships. And they tell you that with the fellowship, that build as many relationships as you can. And I, that's why I'm really glad that they're doing this, this fellowship. I'm going to do it again this year, too. Excellent. Rollo, Kevin, Brian. There's only three, uh, piggybacking off that, there's only three black GMs in the NFL. So do you think if there's more GMs, there will be more diversity hirings in the, the big positions like coaches, offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators, if there's more black GMs? I, I, I think it will help. Um, uh, because again, the, those are the guys that, that you know spend more time with them. What's happy? What I'm happy about now is some of these, a lot of these GMs are former players, and 
they've they've played in the league, they've been friends, and they you know it's it's a friendship league. If your friend is moving up, you want to help him if you think that he can do the job. It's always helpful in bringing your friend to the next level. And then, you're, you know, it's, again, then that level, that friend pulls somebody from his relationships. It is, they clearly tell you at the fellowship, when they have guys come and talk, coaches come and talk, build relationships. Because this, this, this thing is about relationships. They always say it's who you know. So in yeah. every job. <laughs> in every job. So we had uh, mentioned a couple of your um, acting um, parts uh, in your introduction. So I was curious, which one was your favorite uh, part to have and, and what was it like? <laughs> uh, well, playing George Foreman was is definitely one of the highlights because it was it was my first big role. I mean, I've done a lot of had done TV before that, but that was one that the movie actually won an uh, Emmy for best uh, movie made for television. And Bing Rames won the Golden Globe for best lead actor in a, a movie. Um, so that's the one. But there is uh, one particular one that I really enjoyed, and that was it, it, it almost mimicked, but I'm glad it didn't. I play a football coach in a show called uh, The Forgotten. But in that show, um, the coach who I play gets killed. But he gets killed because he was fighting for his kids to be better students, that he was actually sitting them down, not letting them play because he found out they were cheating or skipping out or whatever. And uh, a, a relative got mad that his son was losing his opportunity to get a scholarship because the coach set him down. But the coach set him down for some, you know, good reason. I want to show you, it's not about this. This is about you being a good person, about you being a good student learning. This is the time when you're supposed to learn. And um, that show was one of the shows that I liked so much. Um, but people, when they, people, when they see it and they talk about it, but they say it's a little bit too close. Because, you know, they show the funeral and everything. It's like, we don't want to see that. <laughs> we don't want to see that. But um, the scenario of the whole thing uh, is one of the most memorable that I, that I enjoy the most. Oh, and there's another commercial. There's one where I play a boxer with big ears. You guys probably forgot about that one. Um, that's a, that's a, that's enough. Those are the two, two that I really think about a lot. Nice. Well, Jared, you see behind me. Yeah, we got Ann Arbor. We got the big house here. So take me back to what what was it like running out on the field on a, on a Saturday afternoon? I man, every time someone asks me about that, I, it, the first thing that pops into my mind is the first time that I came out on the field. You know, I'm coming from this small town with, you know, stands on one side, uh, not many people, and going to that. And it was so – the first, you know – first year I redshirted but you're you don't know you're redshirted until after the season is over if you didn't play in a game then you're redshirted so I dressed and practiced and did everything my freshman year and the first time I went out there it was like you know scary but I knew I wasn't gonna play the second year when we first started playing I first started playing you think about oh man 
who's looking at me? You know, all these people. And you think that they're looking at you, not no one else, but you. And the very first play of me playing in a game at the big house against Notre Dame, kickoff return, I got knocked out. Very first play. <laughs> go run it. I'm I'm on return team and the ball comes and I go to block somebody and I had taken all the air out of my head helmet because it was so tight and I wanted to be comfortable, not knowing the air is what protects you. I took all the air out and to put it on the helmet was okay. And when I hit the guy, he we hit helmet to the side, he hit me helmet right here. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and all I could hear was uh, the whole crowd screaming. I thought everybody was looking at me. So I tried to get up. And I fell back down. And I got up and I fell back down. And when I came to, when I was really understood what was up, the score was 14 to 3. <laughs> <laughs> look at this. They put me back in the game. I was I finished playing that game after being out for a two a half a quarter and a half. So how far things have changed. Now you're out for at least two weeks. Right, right, yeah. But I was back in the game. <laughs> <laughs> so uh the bowl system is old and outdated. We only have currently four playoff teams that that even have a shot at the, the national title. And it seems like every year they conveniently make sure that the SEC teams get two in and don't play each other in that first round of the playoffs. So do you, do you ever – do you think that they should expand it beyond four teams and maybe somehow just change the way the, the, the system is done? That's a tough one because look, look at the last, last year, okay? And you talk about them not, not wanting to put two SEC teams against each other. But the realistic, let's be real here, those were the two top teams. So if they played first, are we really getting the best team, in, the two best teams in the, in the finals? I mean, clearly, clearly, Georgia was better than Michigan. And clearly, Alabama is better than Cincinnati. Yeah. So I'm I'm I, I'm not mad about it. Do I think that uh, they should go to six game or six teams? I mean, then when when does it stop? I don't know. I don't know. I'm glad I'm not in the position where I have to make a decision because uh, it's like, what is the winning? Recipe here. I don't. It, it, everything that you look at, you could find a problem with. The, just to add to that question too, like if if you feel like that you're maybe a going to be a, a, a first second round draft pick in the NFL, and your college team is playing in the Tylenol yeah. Petroleum Jelly A and M Bowl, do you think you should play or should you right. sit? It was a, it's a great question because we talked about this when I was watching the bowl games. And uh, no, no, I wouldn't play. I th I, th I think about Butt, you know, the tight end a few, year, uh, few years ago. Jake he was Butt. going in, uh, uh, Jake Butt, he was the number one rated tight end 
goes in, tears his ACL, and um, it changed his entire. I don't know. He may still be on a team in the pros, or I, I don't know. But he was clearly going to be a first or second round. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's happened too many times. And then I look at Christian uh, McCaffrey, which I played with his dad. His dad told him, "No, you're not. You're not playing in the in the bowl game." And when it when they said that, everyone was like, "Wow, can't believe that!" But look at him now. I did not think that Christian McCaffrey was a top, you know, twenty player in the, in the NFL, but clearly he is. You know, I I when him not playing in that bowl game, I was like, oh, "What are they thinking about?" He's, I mean, he's good, but no, they did the right thing, and I think that it 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 needs to be discussed with. Uh, the player and his counsel, who, where they think he's going, where they think if it's necessary to be playing in this bowl game, is this going to help his stock? Is his stock already somewhere where no doesn't matter what he does, he's still going to be a first-rounder or top-ten player or whatever? It's about, at this point, at that point, it is about longevity now. I mean, you you you, you played a long career, now you want to get in the NFL or you want to be paid for it. You want to maximize that, that where you are. Mm-hmm. It's not about school. It's not about school pride. No, it's not about that now. Because ask Jake Butt about that. Yeah, right, right. Well, thank you so much, Jared Bunch, for joining us tonight. We appreciate that. Good, good debate. Good to hear about some of your career, too. So. <laughs> I didn't think A-Train was going to be up there, but he got it. <laughs> awesome. I want to get two votes. That's but, right, I, two votes. But, but, you know, I'm going to say this. He is good. I mean, he's, he is good. He's good. Well, I want to remind everybody, hit subscribe on whatever you're listening on, and thank you for watching this show. And if you're interested in sponsoring, hit us up. We'll get you added to the, to the beginning. So thank you for watching. Everyone have a great night.